0: Keep your Bibles open to Psalm 146. We were uh, in this psalm last week, but it, we are uh, continuing uh, this week to, uh, to uh, look at it, to hear God's Word from it, and uh, to learn more um, about what the Lord would, uh, would have for us in this psalm. I'm going to pray for us, and then we'll get into it. Our Father in heaven, we thank you for your mercy. You have had mercy upon us, Father, for we are so undeserving of all that we enjoy in this life. I thank you for this church family. I thank you for the love that uh, is shared here amongst us and the encouragement that we receive from one another. And Father, you've had mercy on us by revealing your word to us. And even though often When we read and hear your word, it is challenging, challenging things here, Father. But we are also thankful that you have given us your spirit to open our eyes to see the truth, to know the truth, and to fill us with your power, by your grace, to do your will. We pray for that now, in the name of Jesus, amen. When we experience blatant injustice, it can really make us angry. There's not much that makes us more upset or that can dishearten us than witnessing or especially experiencing injustice for ourselves. On one school day, I believe I was in the sixth grade, my PE class was playing indoor field hockey and the object of the game was to get a, a soft round ball, the size of a soccer ball, into a small hockey-type net with these cushioned sticks. And we absolutely loved playing this game. And our class got very competitive playing it on that particular day. Um, you would have thought that we were playing for the national championship. How hard we were we were playing that that game and competing against one another but my team lost the game and I was a little bit upset about that because I believed our PE teacher had judged the game unfairly he made a call against my team right towards the end of the game that put me over the edge I remember going up to to Mr. Lovin, my PE teacher and yelling my disapproval at him in the emotion of the moment. Now, one thing you need to know about Mr. Lovin is he happened to be the the brother to my uncle. So we knew each other pretty well outside of school and that familiarity with him probably led to my disrespect of him at that moment. And let's just say he didn't appreciate my attitude and uh, told me so pretty strongly. He just couldn't believe that I would get so mad over a meaningless game in PE. But at the time, I really believe my team and I had suffered a serious injustice, which made me angry. Now think over the past year with me for a moment. We have all heard about how many of our fellow citizens have responded to what they perceive to be blatant injustice in our nation protests in the streets of almost all of our major cities over perceived racial injustice. We, 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 we saw how angry people could get at what they perceived to be injustice in the many videos of the riots that we saw last year. And those protests and, and riots began in, in late May and, and early June and then extended throughout the summer and the year, but they were not the first major protests that we saw last year. In early May of 2020, hundreds of protesters came to Lansing, Michigan, to protest the stay-at-home orders of Michigan's Governor Whitmer. These protesters entered the Capitol building, and some were armed with guns and rifles, daring the authorities to remove them. They said they were fed up with what they believed to be unjust directed health measures which forced businesses to close, churches not to meet and threatened to fine people for gathering together. This is just one example of many other protests this past year of what were perceived to be unjust actions taken by state and city governments to keep people from gathering with, of course, the goal of controlling the spread of the virus. And then we come to what happened this past Wednesday in our nation's capital. Just another example of people who are very upset at what they perceived to be a great injustice. So upset that they stormed our nation's capitol building while a joint session of Congress was meeting. It was unprecedented, it was ugly, and it was very disturbing. These are all examples of people upset at what they perceived to be injustice and at taking matters into their own hands to do something about it. And ironically, many acted in unjust ways in order to bring attention to their own desire for justice. So you could say that justice is of great concern to our nation right now, as it should be. Justice particularly, which has uh, what has been called social justice, has been a major concern in American politics and within the American church. We, we, we shouldn't be all that surprised at this, for we live in an unjust world which has rejected God and we're all made in God's image and he is a God of justice and as we heard from our scripture reading in Psalm 146 verse 7 this passage admonishes us to look to the Lord for justice for as it says he executes justice for the oppressed so this morning we are focusing on this aspect of the Lord's rule from the scriptures We want to know this God who will do justice for all of his suffering people. So our main theme this morning from Psalm 146, primarily verse 7. As we live in a world marred by injustice, let us be sure to hope in the Lord who will fully and finally provide justice for all of his suffering people. First, let's take a look. At verses 5 through 7, again, there in, verse, in uh, Psalm 146, there, we're going to see that we are blessed if our hope is in the Lord alone, for he executes justice for the oppressed. Verses 5 through 7, blessed is he whose help is the God of Jacob, whose hope is in the Lord his God, who made heaven and earth, the sea and all that is in them, who keeps faith forever, who executes justice For the oppressed who gives food to the hungry. Now let's remind ourselves that the statement about justice in verse 7 is given to us as a reason for why it is so wise for us to put our hope in the Lord and not in human leaders. We ought to do this because the Lord, it says, made heaven and earth, the sea, and all that is in them. Therefore, he is all powerful. He is a sovereign ruler over all creation. There's no authority higher than the Lord. And Jesus even declared this after he rose from the dead. He said, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. So while rulers on this earth may have some authority, it's limited. Man's limitations keep us from executing justice at all times. The Lord's authority is however is ultimate. It says here he also keeps faith forever. It is wise to put our hope <coughs> for justice in the Lord alone, for he will always be faithful to his word and to his people whom he loves. We cannot expect the same from man. How often have we been disappointed? When someone, we trusted someone, we counted on, failed to do what they promised. We can entrust ourselves to God to do what is right and just always because he's always true to his word. And then we come to verse seven. And here we see who we ought to look to when we are upset and angered by injustice in this world. Here we see who to cry out to when we have observed some of the worst situations of suffering and oppression in this world, we ought to put our hope in the Lord, for he executes justice for the oppressed. He gives food to the hungry. Now, we shouldn't be surprised that what the Bible teaches about justice is often much different than what our secular society means when they talk about justice. Justice. When our society talks about any group of people who are oppressed, it refers to it as a, a social justice issue. And, and here I want to share with you is, is the highly respected Oxford English Dictionary's definition of social justice. It says, justice in terms of the distribution of wealth, opportunities, and privileges within a society. So that's why you often hear the word fairness used in relationship to those categories in our public discourse. Is there fairness in the distribution of wealth in a country? Are, are, there, are, are certain people privileged over others? Do all people have the same opportunities as everyone else? To many in our secular society, those are all issues of justice, which again, back to that Oxford English Dictionary, defines justice as the quality of being fair and reasonable that is justice according to the oxford dictionary being fair and reasonable well with understandings of justice like like these our society has been embroiled in what has been called identity politics our population has been divided up into different groups certain people identify themselves as members of an underprivileged group This has led to the dividing up of our population between those who are oppressed and those who are oppressors or those who are privileged and those who are underprivileged. And this has fueled a lot of the anger, the protests, and riots that we have seen this past year. One of the strategies of those who claim to be striving for social justice has been to attack and do violence to those who are among the privileged in order to bring attention to the plight of those who are believed to be the underprivileged or the oppressed. And this is understandable. It's understandable when the only authority you have to look to for help is man. And when man's authority is perceived to have failed you, well, you take matters into your own hands. That's the essence of secularism. That's what happens when there is no God to look to. There's no authority in heaven to cry out to and to trust in. That's the problem with secular justice. There's no higher authority than man to look up to. The only definition of what is fair and reasonable is what humanity says is fair and reasonable. And of course, that changes depending upon who's in power. I believe the Bible offers us more on justice than what we are seeing in our society. The Bible speaks quite often about justice. That's why I can confidently say that the Lord cares a great deal about justice. The Hebrew word for justice, um, mishpat, it occurs in its various forms more than 200 times in the Old Testament. Uh, If you've ever spent much time reading the books of the Old Testament, you have most definitely run across this word quite often to do justice in the Old Testament often means to acquit or to punish every person on the merits of the case without partiality to nationality or family or or wealth. So to judge justly in the Bible is the opposite of taking a bribe in order to influence your judgment. We see that quite quite often in uh, the scriptures. 1 Samuel 8, verse 3, in reference to the evil sons of Eli the priest at the time and the judge of Israel at the time, it says this about his sons. His sons did not walk in his ways, but turned aside after gain. They took bribes and perverted justice. But it seems more than just the punishment of, of, of wrongdoing or the fair trial. It also means giving people what they are do, whether punishment, or protection, or provisions. In Deuteronomy twenty four seventeen, we we read this command: You shall not pervert the justice due to the sojourner or to the fatherless or to or take a widow's garment in pledge. But you shall remember that you were a slave in Egypt, and the Lord your God redeemed you from there. So by reminding the Israelites of what they once were—that is, slaves in Egypt and sojourners the Lord is commanding them to care for those who are vulnerable and needy like they once were and to do justice for them, that is to provide for them, to to, to care for them. We see that reflected here in Psalm 146. The line immediately following the statement on the Lord executing justice for the oppressed in verse seven refers to the Lord giving food to the hungry. That is an act of justice according to the Lord, providing others who are made in his image, who deserve our love and our care with what they need with food. Yet if we are to understand the biblical teaching on justice accurately, well there is another biblical word that we cannot ignore. That word is often found used along with the biblical word for justice in in the Old Testament. That word is righteousness. We see that in Psalm 146 there down uh, as well, um, uh, the Lord loves the righteous. The righteous. So righteousness can be simply defined as right living before God and man. Doing right by your neighbor, doing right by your family, doing right according to God's law. That is Righteousness in, in, in the Bible, you, you cannot separate justice from righteousness. They are paired more than 40 times in the Old Testament, mostly as descriptions for the Lord. So Psalm 97, verse 2, it says, Clouds and thick darkness are all around him, that is the Lord. Righteousness and justice are the foundation of his throne. It's also used as a description of those who please the Lord. So Psalm 106, verse 3 says, Blessed are they who observe justice, who do righteousness at all times. And then Proverbs 21, verse 3 tells us that to do righteousness and justice is more acceptable to the Lord than sacrifice. Bible also tells us that if one of the two is lacking, then the other is also missing. You can't have justice without righteousness. In Isaiah, we find a description of Israel's condition after they fell into idolatry. It says in Isaiah 59, verse 9, justice is far away from us and righteousness does not overtake us. We hope for light and behold darkness and for brightness, but we walk in gloom. And then later in verse 14, it says, justice is turned back, and righteousness stands far away, for truth has stumbled in the public squares and uprightness cannot enter. So you cannot have one without the other. If, if, if justice is turned back, then righteousness stands far away from you as well. And that's why when we see things like what happened on Wednesday or what happened this past year in so many cities, we may hear people talk about those things as being acts of justice But they cannot be since they are not righteous. Looting of businesses and destroying or vandalizing property were sinful acts of anger and hatred and violence. You can't defeat injustice with unrighteousness, just like you can't overcome hate by hurting those who hate you. True justice must go together with righteousness, with what is honorable in God's sight and in line with. With his word. So, justice in the Bible assumes two crucially important things. The first is that there is a God who is holy. There's a God who is holy, and that he has set a day when he will judge all the living and the dead. Biblical justice includes an understanding of the great day of judgment to come when the Lord will set everything right. Therefore, man is not to simply do justice according to what he may think is fair and right, but he must recognize that there is a greater authority over him who will judge whether he is treating others with justice. The second thing is that every person is made in the image of God. Every person, no matter how rich or poor, no matter how strong or weak, no matter what ethnicity or nationality, No matter how well known or unknown, every person has inherent value based on being made in the image of God. Therefore, every person ought to be treated with respect and honor, ought to be treated justly. So these two biblical realities make a a big difference when we are considering justice. Next Sunday is Sanctity of Life Sunday. So I'm gonna focus on what it means for every human being to be made in the image of God next week. So today, let's focus for a moment on the reality of there being this moral, holy God who is coming to judge on whether or not we have lived before him and each other in justice and righteousness. Matthew 25, verses 31 through 46, there in that passage, Jesus teaches his disciples about The final judgment. It is described as a great separation, like a shepherd separating sheep from the goats. Sheep are, of course, the true people of God, those who are following the good shepherd Jesus by faith. The goats are those who aren't, and therefore will be condemned on the day of that great separation, judgment day. In the passage, Jesus d- d- describes those who are his sheep, those who will inherit eternal life as those who welcomed strangers into their homes to care for them, those who clothed the naked, those who fed the hungry, and those who visited those who were in prison. The true people of God who will inherit eternal life, Jesus says, are those who truly love their brothers and sisters in Christ by doing justice them, by, by, by doing what, what they could to care for their needs. Jesus is saying, by those actions, they were proving that they really were his sheep. They had really been following him. While those that, that didn't clothe the naked, or feed the hungry, or welcome the strangers, or, or visit those who were in prison, they showed that they were not following Christ, and therefore would be condemned by Christ and cast into hell. So the message of Matthew 25 is striking. Those who are truly Christ's people will follow him in love and and, and caring for the needs of his people in a very similar way to how the Lord described himself doing that here in Psalm 146. And those who have no concern for these needs those who ignore those who are suffering within the church will have to answer for their lack of concern on the day of judgment. On that day, it will be revealed whether or not we live before God and our fellow man in justice and righteousness. So this shows us, friends, that doing justice is not just doing good things to try to help people with their physical needs, If we're thinking about it in in terms of judgment day, it, it can't be just that. The reality of the coming day of judgment, yes, ought to motivate us to consider if we truly are following our Lord in acts of love toward those in need, but it must also awaken us to the very fearful reality that there is a day of judgment coming for which so many people are unprepared. If there is a day coming when the Holy Creator will judge every soul that has ever lived according to what they have done, then our acts of justice must include warning others about this coming day of judgment and proclaiming the good news of how God has provided salvation through faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. Living before others in justice and righteousness must then include gospel proclamation if it doesn't within well, our acts of justice may may help those who are suffering temporarily but it won't help them ultimately or eternally true justice includes proclaiming the gospel because judgment is real and is coming so we can't truly do good to others if we ignore the good news and refuse to tell others that we are all sinners under condemnation before God, but that God has provided a way of escape through His Son, the Lord Jesus Christ. And if you put your faith and hope in Him and repent of all the different ways you've been trying to earn His acceptance and righteousness, then you will be saved. Secondly, the Lord loves His suffering people and will vindicate them. This is looking at verse 7. And the verses following that to the end of the the psalm. Who executes justice for the oppressed, who gives food to the hungry? The Lord sets the prisoners free. The Lord opens the eyes of the blind. The Lord lifts up those who are bowed down. The Lord loves the righteous. The Lord watches over the sojourners. He upholds the widow and the fatherless, but the way of the wicked he brings to ruin. The Lord will reign forever. Your God, O Zion, to all generations, praise the Lord. So these verses give us several different examples of the injustice within our fallen world. And we are to understand these verses as not referring to every prisoner or every person that is suffering from blindness or every orphan or every widow. These descriptions are referring to not all suffering people, but the Lord's people, are suffering those who have faith in him and his promises we know this because of the last line of verse 8 which says the lord loves the the righteous the righteous are those who fear the lord those who trust in the lord with all their heart those whose hope is in the lord their god so we see that the lord's people here do suffer in many painful and horrible ways in this fall But just as we see the Lord respond to his suffering people in Egypt in Exodus chapter 2, what we see here is that the Lord knows, the Lord sees, the Lord hears, and the Lord will remember them. He loves his suffering people and will vindicate them. In 2012, I went to Haiti with a few members of the church that I served in Iowa This was just uh, two years after the great earthquake that caused such devastation and destruction in Haiti's capital city of Port-au-Prince. I will never forget what I saw there and what I smelled there. I saw the worst of poverty and the worst of human suffering that I ever have before or since and realized in talking to those those there, especially those who were working with the Haitians, that all this destruction and poverty, yeah, the earthquake was horrible for them, but it was there before the earthquake. Mainly brought on by the corruption of their leaders, the Haitian government leaders. And that made me angry. I was angry about that. But thankfully, we were able to do something about it. We were there because our church had partnered with a ministry in Haiti that was caring for orphaned girls and providing them and the community around them with a school and with a dental clinic. This ministry cared for the fatherless, it helped to lift up those who were bowed down, it fed the hungry. Many of those girls were basically saved out of a type of slavery there in Haiti known as being a restavik. When a family will give or sell their daughter to a wealthier family to serve as that family's domestic servant doing household chores, food preparation, laundry, and and other work there in the household, far too often these girls are abused In those circumstances, and many of the girls that I met at that orphanage were saved out of restivic servitude. And that ministry was providing those girls with a far better way of life by caring for their physical and emotional needs. But far more than that, it was also teaching them the gospel. The missionaries there were teaching them that they were made in God's image. They got to know Jesus through them and through hearing God's word and the proclamation of the gospel and they got to meet and get to know believers like us from America who came to serve them and care for them because of the love of Christ. And this was not the only ministry doing good work like that in such a poor and needed nation. So in the middle of the darkness the wretchedness and the suffering of Haiti, I found a place where the light was shining brightly. Not just because the needs of the poor were being met there. I mean, there are many, many other orphanages and schools and organizations doing charitable work all over Haiti. But in that place where I was, where I got to serve, the gospel was loved and it was being proclaimed, and lives were being transformed for eternity there. They were able to get to know the one who could save them from their sins. They were able to get to know the one who could deliver them from the condemnation that they would face on Judgment Day if they put their faith in Christ and followed him. That, my friends, is true justice for the oppressed, It's the Lord who sets the prisoners free and opens the eyes of the blind. It's the Lord who lifts up those who are bowed down. It's the Lord who loves the righteous. The Lord watches over the sojourners. He upholds the widow and the fatherless. But the way of the wicked he brings to ruin. The Lord will reign forever. Praise the Lord. Let's pray. Father in heaven, we want to do justice we want to help others we want to love our fellow brothers and sisters in Christ and do all that we can to relieve their suffering and Father most of all we want to relieve the eternal suffering of those made in your image so Father help us to proclaim your word to have courage and boldness, to share the truth of Judgment Day, but of the hope and the reality that salvation can be found in and through the Lord Jesus Christ. May our hope be in Christ, and may you help others to see him in the way that your word reveals him. In the name of Jesus we pray. Amen.